Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Anime House. Today we're doing something a little different. We are doing a mini episode on One Piece, which you might have seen on the channel from time to time, and both me and Francisco, Francisco have talked about it a lot. We wanted to do a mini episode on kind of our thoughts and our feelings, especially given the last 50 chapters have been fantastic. And these last few chapters have been really good. So we really wanted to talk about them and discuss them uh, while we could. Yeah, for sure. This one in particular is going to be on chapter 1033. I believe uh, episode 1000 came out in the anime a couple weeks ago. So, you know, it's a pretty monumental moment for One Piece in general. But I, I wanted to, you know, I, I messaged Nikio, And this one, it's titled Shimotsuki Kozaburo. And, okay, first of First and foremost, we're going to have spoilers, right? Um, there's going to be a lot of information that we're probably going to be saying that isn't going to click if you haven't read or watched any of One Piece. It's going to be a lot of points in time where we can we will refer to characters by not even their name, but kind of like some characteristics of them because we ourselves are not completely familiar with like their names sometimes. Like, for example, Shimotsuki Kozaburo, which is a famous um, swordsmith from Wano Country. And we learn a lot about concerning him in Shimotsuki Village, which is where, you know, Zoro is from and also who he was and how he's related to Zoro and whatnot. But um, I also kind of didn't, like, know his name or up until this chapter. I know he was name-dropped a couple times in some SBS uh, that, oh, you know, Oda has, um, has released throughout the years. You know, the SBS that accompanies certain volumes where he answers questions from the fans. Um... So there's a lot of things we want to talk about. You know, some some theories we're gonna probably go into. Um, I, you know, I, I in particular want to talk a bit about cursed swords, and you know, because we learn a bit more about them ever since we first learned about them in chapter. I think it was Lockdown, right? When we learned about cursed swords in general. Yeah, it was a while ago, dude. It was like 500 chapters ago. Yeah, and you know, there's been a ton of theories of like what makes these things cursed. So we learned that cursed swords are pretty much just misunderstood swords by the populace. At least that's what uh, that's what the blacksmith, the famous blacksmith Shimotsuki Kozaburo says when he told uh, Zoro when he was like eight years old. Imagine, just oh wait, just uh, I want I want to hear I want to hear your thoughts on this one. There was an old man fishing, and then he randomly just told a, like an eight-year-old guy what a cursed sword was. Yeah, that was really funny. This guy is so bored with his life. Wait, I kind of, I actually like that a lot because I love it one too. of the, love it too. one of the one of the things that I was kind of thinking about after reading this chapter and something I was discussing with someone last night myself was the idea of Zoro's backstory. I think a lot of us in the One Piece community, especially those who have been reading it for the better part of the last like what 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it may be or even the last year, have kind of ent- built up Zoro's backstory to be something so grandiose, something so, like, unique, right? Because we've gotten backstories of every single Straw Hat except Zoro. But one of the things I really, really enjoyed was it-, it felt like his backstory wasn't anything serious or anything, like, crazy. Like, I actually really enjoyed this, and I liked that introduction because it was so casual. Because... In a, in, a, in a weird way, I think Zoro has his moments where he takes himself very seriously and obviously has gooder goals. We see this in the last panel of the chapter. But also, I think Zoro as a character is very, like, very, I don't want to say lightheaded, but very, like, 
doesn't really know what's happening, you know? And I think his backstory kind of helps that. I mean, it's also like blindsidedness of him just wandering around. It's kind of like evidence of that. But Zoro as a character has always been super mysterious. And I, I really enjoy that the backstory was so succinct and small and short so far. I mean, to be honest, we may get more. For what we've gotten so far, I'm not mad or angry at all. In fact, I think it's one of the perfect, the most perfect West End Judas's mystery. It was so funny. It was so unique. It was so Zoro. Like, there's no real other way to do it. Like, if honestly, if they if they did go the whole like grandiose route of like his master was some like ancient swordsman who like did this, I would have been a little more like I would have been like very interested, but I don't think I would have been as interested. In a weird way, this provided a semblance of comic relief in, in, a, in what could be considered a more serious kind of tone. But yeah, I, I agree, actually. I am, I'm part of the crew or like the, the camp that doesn't necessarily want or I don't feel that there's a need for Sozo to have an insane backstory. At most, you know, he might be related to the Shimosuke Damio that we saw a couple of chapters back, right? Uh, in regards to Yamato's backstory. When um, Kaido just threw Yamato in a den with a bunch of scary daimyo samurais, and in a situation where you know you're you're a kid and you got thrown in there by your parent into your parent's enemies, you don't know what's gonna happen. But it turns out that they were all really cool samurais, and they gave Yamato food and Yamato ate. And one of the you know when Yamato asked for their names, one of the samurais responded with "I'm no I'm nobody important," which is really cool because I believe a couple many many chapters ago when somebody asked um, Oda, Achiro Oda, you know, the author on an SBS, who are Zoro's parents? Oda responded with, no one important. The exact same or very similar phrase to the to what this one daimyo said. So there's a lot of speculation that if it's not Zoro's like direct dad, it might be his parent. And nonetheless, what happened in that situation is that, you know, he's not, he's no one important, but... Um, at the very least, I would I imagine the Zoro has lineage with Ryuma, the um the Zorga of Wano, uh from I think Ryuma was like four hundred years ago, or five hundred years ago where he appeared, and you know he fought Ryuma's course over back in um what was it called, what was a uh, not Impel Down um, Thriller Bark, when he got the Shusui the the one sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. In respect to um, Zoro's lineage, I am in the camp that I don't feel that he needs to have anything important. And if he does, and if it's you know, it turns out that he's actually related to these really important figures. Um, he's more of an, I would imagine, he's an orphan, and maybe that, you know, because of what happened at the Wano country with with Kaido and Orochi, um, you know, Zoro's dad sent um Zoro, so his kid, with his mom to like Shimazuki Village because he, you know, he felt that okay, if it turns out that I lose this fight, they're gonna kill my kids or my wife. So better to just send them off, and then you know, and then it turns out oh, maybe. There was a miscarriage or something, or um, Zoro's mother probably passed away while he was traveling to the village or whatever. That's the current camp that I'm a part of. But nonetheless, Zoro, even if he comes from a high lineage, he still ends up proving himself. He doesn't even understand like who he is, but he still has kingly ambitions, as he says, as he says that at the end of the chapter. And that's a lot to do with his friends. And I guess we can talk a bit more about that right now. Yeah, one of the things I really liked, actually, uh, now that you bring it up in that specific section. Uh, Barring the kingly ambitions part, was the achievement of him getting conquerors hockey, which is pretty cool. Uh, you see that when he pulls out all his swords, and then like they, um, some of Kaido's armies were coming and they just fainted when they got near him. 
And then King himself was like, oh, so you want to be king. And I thought that part was sick. I love that part. Uh, Because his response was also really, really, really good. He says, and give me a second to pull this up really quick. He says, uh, I've got to keep a promise to my captain. So he himself doesn't necessarily want to be king. But he has said multiple times he wants to be the greatest swordsman ever, right? Ergo, the king of swordsmen. And to his best friend, which I I will get to in a second, but I really, really, really like that part. I really, I thought it was super fun. I thought it was super cool. Two, I mean, Zoro getting conquerors was, wasn't exactly surprising to me, given the fact that he mastered armaments well before Luffy even did. So it, it, it's clear that he's like talented or gifted with hockey, right? And the fact that he was able to manipulate that to his blades, as it was said in like hundreds of chapters ago, very, very difficult thing to do. But he was able to do it under the tutelage of uh, Mihawk. I, 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 I'm excited to see both Zoro's growth in this chapter, but also kind of his promise in a way, right? And like how he uses conquerors in the future. Because once again, conquerors hockey is something you're born with, as Oda has said multiple times. It's not necessarily something you can gain. And so, and Conquerors Hockey is only like really given or effectively given to people who are worthy of it or who actually play an extremely important role within the universe of One Piece, whether it be to lead or to be a leader. So, this is showing one Zoro's growth, but two, it's in a weird way showing a little bit of his future too, right? Because you see him, okay, now that he's gotten Conquerors, I mean, that's he's already shown that he's like a step above everyone else. And now, like, you see, like, the swirling, like, hockey, like, aura around the swords and stuff. And I'm, I'm excited to see kind of, like, what, what that kind of what that, what that goes into. I'm very excited to hear. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we've had two recent chapters of the right and left-hand man of, of uh, the, you know, featured Pirate King Luffy. This one being focused on Zoro and the previous couple of chapters, I think, were focused on Sanji. And, then, you know, they're both going through different situations or different um scenarios concerning their own character arcs with uh sanji having to accept you know his past or his um, lineage and then you know making it so that he it's you know it's a part of him and it doesn't necessarily define who he is and then zoro over here reaching out to people that you know he made a promise to um which are two very defining traits of who they are as people and you know it, it it's great that zoro we get conquers hockey for zoro because like Silver's railing from, you know, Gold Rogers crew. I think there was four people in his crew that had all had Conquerors hockey. So it's not conflicting or it's it's not Yeah, they were all broken too. Yeah, they're they yeah, they're like they're nutty. And the other something else I wanted to talk about a bit of, of you know Conquerors hockey. It says that, you know, it's I think was it railing that I forget who mentions it, but I, and I don't even know who necessarily spoke about Conquerors hockey, but it's a very unique thing. And I I wouldn't be surprised if um it's one of those situations where Oda goes back and kind of retcons the, you know, the conditions for Conquerors Hockey, right? Something that I always found that would be really interesting to see and something that I was thinking about, you know, once Kaido was introduced was the fact that Kaido likes to beat people down who have Conquerors Hockey. And I always wanted to see a situation where, like, if your will is broken, you can't use Conquerors Hockey anymore. I think that would be really interesting. And I feel that that actually might have happened to Crocodile. 
um, because you know how he got beaten by Whitebeard and necessary and understanding that White not not Whitebeard but Crocodile was like one of the absurd pirates way back in the day. It would make sense that you know when he was fighting Luffy, he couldn't use hockey because his will was broken at that time, which will kind of ex- uh, this is my head by the way, which will kind of explain like the power curve, like how Luffy was able to beat Crocodile effectively when. And um, when understandable, we know now of One Piece, I feel like Crocodile would have known some hockey back then. It, w- it would explain it a bit. Actually, yeah. It would add some depth to how hockey works in general. I like that. And I, I do think that Oda might actually go that route. That's a, that's a good point. Um, and there, there is one thing I wanted to mention to your point of Sanji and Zoro. One thing I was having an argument about with someone last night, shout out to Jason, is... I we, I was I was having a debate whether Sanji could ever learn Conqueror's hockey, and I was of the opinion that he will never do it. Or it's not even that he was born with it. Even if he was born with it, I think he will actively choose not to use it. And the reason I say that is because, to your point, Francisco, I feel like Sanji as a character is striving to go away, and. It, not just go away from Jerma, but like kind of put his past behind him and move on and create a new future for himself, right? That's what Sanji's character, I feel like, really is. Someone who's trying to restart, create a new, not only through Luffy and through the Straw Hat Pirates, but also through finding his own way. And I think we've seen this throughout uh, the Wano. I think it's pretty evident that Zoro is kind of str- or Sanji's trying to struggling to find his own way and his own thing without the usage of Jerma, without being identified as one of the Jerma sixty six soldiers, without like being identified as a killer. He just wants to be him. He just wants to be Sanji, and as such, I don't think he'll ever be able to use Conqueror's hockey. But w- w- I'm curious to know what are your thoughts. That's um, I believe Conqueror's hockey is a reflection of the person. You know, they might. I- I'm 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 of the of the opinion that. Oda might retcon, you know, the conditions to acquire Conqueror's Hockey. It might be one of those situations where there's a lot of things that are stacking up for you to achieve Conqueror's Hockey. And in the situation, if, you know, Sanji gets Conqueror's Hockey or not, I think if he uses it, it's always going to be unconscious. It's going to be a decision that he chooses to use, similar to how when uh, Ace, for example, used Conqueror's Hockey when he was way, like, really, really young, too. And he just awakened it right then and there um, to save Luffy and, I think, you know, uh, Sabo and like way back during their flashback and also I mean whenever people use Conqueror's Hockey they use it unconsciously it just it just comes out because you know, of the situation how they refuse to give in and I think concerning Sanji's character he I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets Conqueror's Hockey but at the moment he's definitely in a situation where he's just like trying to understand who he is because for example right here in front of us like Zoro has finally awakened Conqueror's Hockey in this situation as he's getting put to the test, right? I think um, Oda lo- loves to loves to make to emphasize that Hon- Conquer's hockey or hockey in general just blooms under pressure, and the and the emphasis of Conquer's hockey is that it that one blooms under both pressure and ambition. So at the moment, Sanji still needs to find his ambition and like get a good sense of who he is. So I don't expect him to use Conquer's hockey anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, I don't expect him to use it anytime soon because I don't feel like he's meeting the conditions for Conquer's at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I, I don't know if Sanji will ever get it, to be honest, but it's just, it was an interesting debate, and I thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, I think um 
during the beginning of the timescape arc, when you know we learned of everyone getting hockey, there was a understanding that Sanji specialized in observation. Um, Zoro specializes in armament, right, for the fact that he was able to extend his armament into his swords, which is a very swordsman thing to do. And then Luffy, of course, conquers. But I think now those barriers or those kind of um, categories are starting to just not fit with them anymore. And at this point, it's just, you know, they can just use hockey. And it depends on who they are or it depends on their style. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, sense. Luffy Luffy can see the future now. So it's like he's just gotten <laughs> so much better abs- observation hockey than, um, than Sanji at this point. Yeah, 100%. So that's great. Um, I think this is a good time to talk about my best friend line, uh, and you know maybe talk more about the swords. And uh, in my opinion, you know that more more talk on the curse sword situation because there's a lot of discussion involving with that one. Um, during the unofficial translation, instead of my best friend, um, they use my oldest friend, which I feel is a lot less ambiguous. Uh, see, that is way less ambiguous. That was something I was very curious about because when I first read this, it read as my captain and my best friend, which could mean two different things, right? Yep. My captain and my best friend, or my captain and separately my best friend, who is another individual. And I was very confused in this translation. Um, I know on Reddit, on r slash one piece, they were actually going on about this very translation. Uh, there was a lot of anger in the community because they were like, this was just straight up mistranslated. Um, I looked a little more into it afterwards, especially last night, because I was very curious. And it turns out that I was correct. I, in the in in the in the fact that this was mistranslated, which I think is kind of an interesting point to note. So, for once, the fan translations might actually be better, which is pretty funny. I, the fan tra- it's a it's a matter of subjective opinion, but the fact that this was very ambiguous is problematic. The reason why it wasn't ambiguous, as far as I am aware, when I was reading into this, is that in the original, right, in Japanese, it, he still uses best friend. The way that it's written, it's referred to best friend, right? But he only refers to one person when it's ever written in that kanji, and that's always Kuina. And it's been about three times when he's used, when Oda has written that specific kanji when Zora's talking. Um, in chapter 100, when he was talking to that sword, the third the sword nerd nerd in Logton. I forget what her name is. The um, assistant for two smoker who looks ta- ta- Tashigi. I think that's what her name is. Mm-hmm. She looks she looks very similar to Kuina. So she might be related like as a cousin or whatnot. Um, but he refers to Kuina, you know, as that my best friend or like with that exact same kanji. And the other time when he was talking when in, in his flashback or like chapter fifty. But that way, it, it maintains the fact that it's very it's one it's one person, and it's still his best friend, right? Because that is his best friend. But unfortunately for us English folks, and like with the English language, there's you know we don't have that extra layer of complexity when it comes to our writing system. So, yeah, it was um a direct translation is my best friend, but because of how it's written, it's really ambiguous, and it might just refer to Luffy, which yeah, which which it was just confusing, but it's fine, it's fine. It's good to see that, you know, Oda has not forgotten Zoro and his past. And, you know, in the history, yes, with Kuina. And Kuina has a very sad story. It's just overall, right? Her dad, which I forget his name, but, you know, he's the head of the village, just straight up went to her and said, uh, we're sexist. You're a woman. You're <laughs> yeah. never going to be the best swordsman. Yeah, it was like uh, ridiculous. Yeah, it was devastating. Devastating. She's, as far as we know, and we only know what happened. She passed away. That that's a fact. She's not. Yeah. She's no longer here. 
and that's currently the canon of the story. You know, Oda might change it up, but I, 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 I would actually feel that that's um, that that'd be bad, and writing standpoint, because he's done a lot of fake deaths in this situation. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Queena, her dream lives on with Zoro, and just her being alive would kind of take away from that a bit. Yeah, they hope her meaning. But you know, there's still some some questions of like, how did she die? Did she actually just fall upstairs? Because that's very anticlimactic. It's very depressing because of how anticlimactic is it is. But you know, there's also some even more dark undertones that she might have even taken her own life. Um, mm-hmm. with the actual the Watari Ijimoto, you know, the sword and whatnot. And you know, that's dark in, in in itself because in that case, I feel like the dad might blame himself for her death. Some people think that the dad might have killed her. I don't think that happened. I just think he's sexist and he was being really dumb in that situation and didn't understand the emotional trauma or, or turmoil he put his daughter in. Yeah. And I think if anyone would regret that the most would be him. Which would I would understand why he would end up giving Sorrow her sword. Because he understood that both him and well, his daughter and Sorrow share the same ambition. And it would... I feel like that was a way for him to make amends for what he probably did. But this is 100% headcanon. This is just me imposing my thoughts into the, you know, her father. Because I don't necessarily think he's a bad guy, or at least I don't want to think he's a bad guy, inherently. Yeah. Just, he just learned some very not cash money um, <laughs> ideals. <laughs> not cash money ideals. Okay, so I think this is a good time to talk about the swords. There's a lot of people talking that he that they think he's going to elevate Emma to be a black blade permanently. I really, dude, Emma is so cool. The the amount of history Emma has throughout the entirety of One Piece is just so iconic. Like, you think of Zoro, you think of Emma. Like, it's just that it is what it is. You know what I mean? Bro, what do you mean you think of Emma? You're not giving enough credit to Water. Shisui, Shisui is the Shisui is the main one. But, like, Enma is definitely something. It's, it's up there. It's up there. You and, really like Enma uh, more than his first sword? I, I, I just think Enma is really, really cool. But that's a, that's a separate conversation altogether. Dude, I think when you can chop off a freaking mountain, I think that's like, kind of sick. But, like, that's, a, again, a whole different conversation. Um, I, I actually do think that will happen. Because the fact that he unlocked Conquers isn't a coincidence, right? The fact that he did it against King isn't a coincidence. The fact that it happened in... In... Against uh, Kaido, too. Against Kaido in Wano is not a coincidence at all. Come on, like, let's be real here. Like, if if he wants to be the king of swordsmen, which he has claimed to want, he, he has claimed numerous amount of times, I want to be the greatest swordsman that ever lived, then... He has he he kind of has to right like how else would you you know what I mean Mihawk for example Oda has come out and said Mihawk is so powerful he is as strong as a Yonko the only reason he's not a Yonko is because uh he doesn't like the title or whatever he's just self centered that's literally it so like Zoro has to surpass that which I I think is a very big task I think. And we're not even like, for, like, let's not forget about Shanks, the man who literally walked into the Great War and everything just stopped because he was there. He's also a swordsman. He was a rival to <laughs> Mihawk. Exactly. I mean, Mihawk also said, right, the only swordsman that can rival me in the entire world is Shanks. But he refuses to fight him because Shanks only has one arm. It's just not funny anymore for him. It's just. Yeah, literally. 
so Zoro has to become better than that. And that's like impossible <laughs> unless like I don't see any way that's happening unless he gets a black sword. Unless something happens like this, right? I love the okay, we also gotta mention that people up until a couple of chapters ago, it was only introduced in Wano, right? For the fact that one Wano is a place where tons of swords are made, right? Tons of mm-hmm. very talented blacksmiths, but we learn how a sword becomes a black sword. And for those who aren't familiar or like don't remember, there's certain grades for swords, and there's only a few of them that reach the black sword level. And I think uh, Mihawk has one of those. I'm not too familiar with the exact names of what they are, but we never understood what makes a black sword, right? Was it the blacksmith that makes the sword? And it turns out that it's the actual sword, the sword wielder after imbuing them with a ton of hockey and, you know, reaching a certain um, level for the swords that they become a black sword. And that was really cool. And Sora's currently kind of doing that with Enma, or it seems like Enma wants that to happen. But I feel thematically, the sword that Zoro, this first sword that Sora should end up elevating to be, you know, a black sword or whatever, should be his Waru Ichimonji, just for the fact that it's the sword that's been with him since day one. And the sword actually, the reason, and something else that we can actually talk about in the in this moment is the um what separates a cursed sword from just, you know, something like a, a Waru Ichimonji. I think Enma has more history, and that's why I think Enma's going to get it. Um, technically, they were both made by the same guy. Well, not technically. They were made by the same guy, by uh, Shimotsuki. Well, yeah, but isn't, isn't the whole point, like, Enma has a backstory with the girl, and then it also has connections with, like, Wano and Zoro? Like, it, it just makes more sense plot-wise. Oh, wait, Enma doesn't have a backstory with the with the girl. Wait, Wait which which sword? Then which sword does? There's a certain oh, sword. Enma, Enma is the one. Enma is actually um, what's it called? Odin's sword. So Odin's currently continuing the fight that he left off on. Wait, no, no, no. But doesn't that just prove my point? Like my thing is, I I think Enma just has more connections. Uh, for Wano, yes. But I but what I'm saying thematically, which one Zoro as a person should elevate first? What should be the Wado Ichimoji? Oh, well, obviously it should be his first sword. I just, I just don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> Could be wrong. Enma is just black scene. I mean, then again, Enma is also continuing the fight of its previous master, which is um Odin. So, and it's also kind of testing um Zoro in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole point, right? He sees that a cursor, cur- cannot talk, cursed sword, and he refuses to back down from this challenge, and like we get the backstory and all of that. I mean, I think Edma just has a lot more significance in terms of the story at the moment, and I think like it, 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 it plot-wise makes more sense. Personally, I completely agree with you. I think his first few swords should get that treatment, but I mean, it is what it is. So I think yeah, it's getting a lot of attention too because of Edma's disposition as a sword, because of it's more violent, kind of, kind of violent. It's a lot more of a problem child because of. The blacksmith, and this also goes back to Shimotsuki talking about you know how every sword has a certain personality, and cursed swords people refer to cursed swords as those that are very not aggressive but but have a very strong personality, and people cannot comprehend them, so they automatically default to just saying that they're evil, when in reality that's not the case, right? Um, it depends on the sword itself and how it turns. If if they're cursed, that means that they were just well made. That that's about it. That's the only signifier. But the other thing is that he made two swords, um, and because of how he thinks as a blacksmith, and how and what his philosophy concerning swords, he feels that his masterpiece was Enma. Because you know, as a blacksmith, he's trying to make a sword that's made, and swords are just meant to kill people. So a sword that wants to fight, in his opinion, is better. But that 
it which is interesting because that directly conflicts with what a swords man or a swords you know a swords wielder or a swords uh, master would think right for them uh, a good sign of a of a good swordsman is that they only cut what they want to cut they never cut more and whatnot and that actually goes back to Zoro's quote-unquote master, or like, you know, the owner of the dojo, which was Queen's father, and now he taught people on how to use the sword, and how, you know, you need to, I think this goes back, remember when he was fighting Mr. One? Mm-hmm. He was going about something about, like, feeling calm, and then being able to cut steel? That was actually mm-hmm. a teaching of um, Queen's father that he remembered at that moment, and the, and what was, you know, the sword that he ended up using at that moment was the Wado. So I think in, in that respect, right, Enma is just a lot more violent, but I but I also feel that the water has a personality, and, you know, the water's actual meaning is just, you know, path of harmony. That's, that's what it translates to. So it's a lot more calm in their disposition, but I also feel that, and I read this in a, in a, in a YouTube comment, that Wado itself has currently accepted Zoro as its master, but it hasn't shown its personality to Zoro at the moment. And we might see a bit more of that later on, right? And this idea of personality goes back to you can connect it to how, for example, objects in the, in the world of One Piece can almost develop spirits. Uh, shout out to the I'm going Mary. I really like that actually. The idea. So, so one of the one of the themes I think within One Piece, especially given the Golden Mary and like that entire arc when they had to like rebuild it and everything. Um, the idea of giving inanimate objects an identity. And a personality, I think, is a is a pretty cool concept that I think Oda's really been messing with, and you can really see that in, in Wano specifically with the swords, right? And I, I'm I'm all here for it. I think it's an interesting concept, and I'm curious to see if swords themselves can be awakened to another level after like a black sword. You know what I mean? Like I I wonder if that's possible. Like like in, in awakened devil fruit almost. And so, if so, like, I'm wondering if Zoro will be the first one to do it. Would it be like a Zanpakuto? Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just, okay, I'm just spitballing here, of course, but I just think that'd be really cool. That would be cool, there's no denying it. But yeah, okay, so my, my current opinion is that I feel that Enma, while it's, you know, it's taking a lot of um, hockey, it's not going to turn to a black blade, but it's going to, before Zoro was doing a, t- you know, tug-of-war situation with Enma, and now Sora's trusting Enma 100%. And I don't think Enma's going to kill someone who's trusting it, them as a sword. So I, I don't think Enma's going to suck everything out of Zoro. If anything, Enma's probably storing the, the, you know, the hockey inside of her. Maybe it's going to like help, help Zoro a bit, tra- almost training him a bit more in hockey. Uh, but I do feel that the Wado is going to be the sword that he's going to elevate. And, you know, I might be wrong, in which case, oh, well, you know, it, it just turns out that Enma continued Odin's fight and just when it needed to just clutch it just clutched <laughs> it could also just be given to um the, i mean the sword could be given to um 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 um, um, um. momonosuke because it, it's no. momonosuke's sword no no it's his sister's sword Hiyori. No, it's it's not going to be given to either of them i think it's going to be given to uh why am i forgetting the name all of a sudden i'm so confused what the by given you mean like like, gonna... the, sword, the sword, the like I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I don't, I don't know if Zoro will keep Enma. Oh, that's what you're saying. Um, okay. Do you think like, he's gonna I, I think... Shisui? He's gonna take that one? I no, no, no. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I don't. If, if he decides to keep Enma, it will be awakened, in my opinion. 
If he decides oh. not to, he's going to give it to Kaido's kid. Who I'm forgetting oh, the name of. Oh, Yamato? Yeah. Really? Yamato? I didn't... Yeah, Yamato's... I could see it. I could, I could definitely see it. But Yamato isn't necessarily a swords like we no. are. They, they uh, a... It literally does not matter. I think the whole point is like Yamato is continuing uh, uh, Odin's legacy. I mean, that oh yeah, that I was, remember that. <laughs> and so I, I could, I could see it, but obviously, I think it'll be given or kept to within like either Bononosuke, his sister, or it'll be kept with yeah. Zoro. There's, there's, and this is, I guess, I can put a spoiler warning here. There is a crazy theory out there at the Fire Festival. It's gonna be this insane moment where people of the dead come back. And in almost like everyone can see people that have died and passed away, and at that moment, Yamato is going to almost in, inhabit the spirit of Odin, and he's like gonna pick up Enma, and it's gonna be a crazy epic moment. And all that foreshadowing, quote unquote foreshadowing, where Yamato is saying "I'm Odin," is gonna come true right then and there because the Fire Festival is an opportunity, or it's a moment where you know we respect the day. Of, it's kind of like the Day of the Dead for for Wano Country. So it's gonna be crazy. We see oh, you know, people who pass away and resurface at Wano, and because at the moment, this is gonna like everyone's uh, theorizing that it's gonna be similar to the situation of um, what's it called, the thriller, thriller bark, where they quote unquote win almost, but then you know a new enemy appears in the horizon, and we know that's happening because currently there are ships from the world government who are on their way, but if it turns out that you know the spirits that dead come back and almost shield, you know, um. The revolutions, or are, are they revolutionary, or like what's what's the name of the um of their group currently? The Straw Hats and the Samurai. Do they have a name or something? I don't think they have a. I don't think they have a set name. I think Luffy might have given them a really ridiculous name, but they don't have something easy easy flowing through. Yeah, but I think that 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 would be an epic moment, just seeing the vestige of um Odin and maybe even Ace. Mm-hmm. But you know, we'll have to wait. It's a really out there theory, so who knows. But um, I think that's everything I had to say. Uh, I feel like I got everything I wanted to say. You know, the situation of how cursors were misunderstood by the general population. The idea that Enma is testing and almost training Zoro. Um, the fact that the Wadoi Ichimonji is not a cursed sword, but it's a very high-grade sword, and it's almost accepting Zoro. And maybe we'll see their personality shine later on. You know, and I ask maybe later arcs when he might be going up against, for example. Uh, Mihawk or something like that, or, or another event for Zoro to challenge. I think that was everything I wanted to say. I guess now we can talk a bit more about the Lunarian, you know, King, who he's fighting. Because mm-hmm. that's also super interesting. Um, the last race and the almost extinct race of um, of One Piece, and like how did they get to this position? Do you have any thoughts or anything that you read that might be interesting? Because I have a few things that I read on you know online on on the web that I think are be- would be really cool to see. But before I mention anything, I wanna I wanna hear those thoughts because I did not read any external stuff about King. I'm just waiting oh, okay. for the reveal now. I mean, there's obviously a few thoughts I had related, like the King being, like v- like related to Skypia in some way, and some other thoughts that I had. But I I think those are pretty common knowledge. I I I, I, I can get into them. I'm curious to see what uh what you've read though. What the Vine has to say. Okay, yeah. so one that I really enjoyed was the fact that um. You know the God Valley event mm-hmm. with um, Roger, Zebek, and then uh, Garp, where Garp and Roger join forces to quote unquote protect the Celestial Dragons 
property. And it's it's known that both Garp and Roger, well, at least we know 100% Garp does not like the Celestial Dragons. And the reason for that is that he never became an Admiral. Because Admirals, while you know they might be the front-facing power of the um, world government, right, outside of the seven uh, warlords, they 100% always have to protect the Celestial Dragons. And Garp, he 100% despises the Celestial Dragons and how they act and whatnot. And he just, that's one of the reasons he didn't want to be an admiral. You know, the other one is that it's too much responsibility, right? He, he's, he's, he enjoys his position as it is. Um, but during the God Valley event, both both of them joined forces to stop Zebek. And people are wondering, like, what was at, at God Valley that, you know, Zebek wanted to get their heads hands on? And the current theory is that, as we're familiar, that um, the Celestial Dragons are huge on slavery. Um, the idea is that after, you know, during the Void Century, the Lunarians used to live all the way on top of their red line because they're known to be able to live in any natural environment, regardless of the situation. Like it could be the tundra or it can be really hot. They, they'd be 100% fine. Their physiology are just built for that kind of environment. It doesn't bother them whatsoever. So the current theory is that somehow the Celestial Dragons or the, you know, the Ancient Kingdom, not the Ancient Kingdom and like the Will of Day, but like rather the 20 kingdoms that created the world government uh, you know approached the Lunarians they made a deal with them and it turns out you know they got shafted and during the God Valley event they the, the Lunarians ended up living at, at God Valley but they were more they were property they were slaves pretty much and what I read that I found really interesting was that Zebek went to God Valley to recruit the Lunarians to his cause and then you know assert the world government so Garp and Roger joined hands because they they thought they didn't like the situation. While they don't like the situation that, you know, the Lunarians are slaves currently, right? They also didn't like the idea that Zerbeck is going to use their hatred and just make them do something they, they would 100% regret. Um, so that's the that's the current, like, you know, standing theory. And the other thing is that, you know, this might have been the time where King as a, you know, baby might have met Kaido. And quote-unquote had been saved by Kaido. Or that might have been a situation where they met. But currently, King is King is the last, as far as we know, he's one of the only members of um, of his race, the Lunarians. We don't know what actually happened to the rest of them at God Valley, if this theory is true. But I would imagine Garp or and Roger probably found them a home or place to live. Uh, but that's the theory: the idea that Zebek went to God Valley to recruit the Lunarians to just overthrow the world government or just cause a ton of chaos, and then Garp and Roger join hands because they didn't like the idea of you know them quote unquote being saved only to be slaves again. Huh, that is insane. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like thinking about everything you just said, and that's just, huh. I never thought of it that way. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I really did think it was like related to Skype in some way, but okay. I mean, this would be that would be a theory. I'd be very, very, very curious to see if it was true. And if it is, I think that could open up a lot of doors for not only the world government but also like it, it brings in the the question of morality and like some other very interesting kind of like introspective questions that i think oda may or may not address and we'll leave it up to the reader but i am curious to see if that'll be true or not i mean it's 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 an interesting idea uh if it you know comes true it comes true if not i I 100% trust anything Oda does, and I feel that whatever Oda decides to do is going to be great. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, be sad about it. I just found that this was, is very interesting. And we should also, ref I, I should also admit that Lunarians, right, the Luna, meaning moon, right, 
Um, and we know that Skypeans come from the moon. Um, they themselves might also come from the moon. Uh, just putting it out there. And them living in the top of the red line, where they were, you know, revered as gods. Um, we know the Lunarians, what the whole situation concerning... What was the name? And now he was a god too, right? And the fact that the red line is one of the highest places in the entire One Piece world. Is, it's pretty close to the moon, quote-unquote close. I I can see them going from the moon to the red line. It's not too far-fetched. Yeah, that that that's more of like my... That was more of my line of thinking. Where um, King and the Lunarians are related to the, the Skypeans in some way. Um, whether they exist in like a higher kind of like point um that's almost unknown or whether they exist with the skypeans in a different like area or something like that so it's it's that was my theory uh but i don't know could be right could be wrong yeah i mean we'll find out maybe in a couple chapters from now i'm not too sure what what's gonna come up next so i know it's, it's exciting i don't think there's a break next week so you know we can We'll be able to read a new chapter in a couple of days, so that that's cool. But I think that's everything we have to say. Um, without a doubt, I'm enjoying Wano a lot. It's really fun. Um, it's great. It's a lot of good build-up, a lot of great moments for a ton of characters, not just Zoro. It's also good for Sanji. It's great for Yamato. It's good for Momonosuke even <laughs> every now and then. And, of course, Luffy and the gang. Uh, yeah. What are your... uh-huh. Yeah, go on. I think I think Oda's been killing it the last twenty chapters. I, I wasn't a big fan of chapter one thousand because I felt like it it just it didn't feel like a chapter one thousand. But that's also because I think mentally the One Piece community built it up to be this grandiose thing, which I mean it was, but it wasn't it wasn't anything insane. But I think Oda's been killing it ever since then, to be honest. And like every chapter that's come out has been extremely intriguing and interesting, and I haven't been bored at all. Um, it was a slow start. It was definitely a little bit of a burn, but Wano's really picked up now, and it, it's getting to the really real meat of things, which I really like, and I'm actually pretty curious to see how it's going to end because we have so many moving parts, not including what's happening with Luffy and the gang, right? We also have the, uh, 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 the, the cypher pool. Yeah. We have the potential army, Luffy's army, that could come at any moment. We have, like, so many characters that still, like, kind of need to show face in a way, and we don't even know what's going to... Well, we don't even know what's happening with Akainu. He's just, like, he's just kind of vibing. Like, I'm, I'm confused. So, like... Wait, Akainu's here, too? Oh, you mean, uh, oh, you mean the word government, because we haven't heard anything about him. Yeah, we haven't heard anything about them, right? Or the Marians, so, in this case. Yeah. So, like, I am... I feel like there's going to be a lot more, and we're just, like, kind of waiting and anticipating for that, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, for sure. I mean... In the current story, I believe they're in the, uh, what was that event? Uh, the reverie. Yeah, that happened, right? Uh, that finished, and at the same time, Wano's also finished at, in, in that moment during those chapters. Chronologically, when the reverie ended, the invasion of Wano is also over. So that's cool. Um, the fact that, you know, time is moving forward. Uh, but the other thing that I should probably address, or I, I wanted to mention, because I feel like you said something I wanted to pick up on. Oh, yeah, it's just, I wanted to slightly mention, did you know a- Aegis or Aegis means shield? Yeah. And, and it's from, like, it's from Greek? Greek? It is, yeah. Yeah, and then, the okay, so there's the shield of the Celestial Dragon, and then Drake is sword. 
Yeah. But they're opposing figures because Drake is investigating the Celestial Dragons and all of the wrongdoings of the world government for the benefit of the people. Finally, tax dollars going, you know, going to work. <laughs> and Aegis, which is the shield, is like, I know, right? <laughs> it is the shield of like the actual corruption. So it's interesting that in this case, when you know traditionally you would imagine a shield to be something to be more of the hero's hero's uh, weapon of choice, right? Where a sword would be more of the villainous weapon because you know a sword is made for killing. In this situation, it's just I thought it was cool. I, I didn't realize how they were like directly opposing forces to one another until you know a couple like the last chapter when um Drake was like, you know what, I'm just fighting CP zero now. <laughs> One of the one of the things I want to point out, and I think Oda's done a really good job on this, is the way he portrays swords in general. Um, he he's never quite really portrayed swords in a negative light. Uh, of, of all the swordsmen we've been introduced to, they might have been violent, they might have been aggressive, but they've all been probably the most controlled and level-headed characters in all of One Piece, which I think is really funny. Like Mihawk and Shanks are the perfect examples of that, right? And I think something that is important to mention is that they're quote unquote true swordsmen too. There have been people who've used who use swords, but they're they've also used them in a very underhanded method. Like for example, what was what's that one guy who uses a sword that was that's in um Blackbeard's crew? The guy who was in Impilda. Oh, um it starts with an S as well, but he's the guy who goes invisible. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean like he was supposed to be like a perfect counter, right? Even though he is like quote unquote a master swordsman the way he goes about using a sword is not honorable but you could also argue that like no you can't argue anything for him he's a pretty <laughs> bad person uh I, I i just like how oda differentiates the swords from the people you know what i mean like the swords have their own defining characteristics so the weapon itself is not bad it's the person who uses it could be bad and as such, like he, Oda's never portrayed swords, and specifically swords, in a negative light, which I think is super, super, super cool and very interesting. I think there was one time, and when they're quote unquote curse swords, but now we just know that it's just people not understanding them. Exactly right. That that I mean, I feel like this chapter kind of like wrapped that up in a little bit, in in, in a small way, you know. What, like we kind of are presented now with the fact that curse swords aren't bad. But now it just brings up more questions about what they really are and their true nature and all of that, right? That's now true. We have more questions. And so, like, I mean, that's what Oda's obviously an expert on. Always answering one thing and bringing up ten more questions. Yeah, this, this is, I mean, that's just good storytelling in general. Uh, something else that this chapter kind of brings up, or rather, if you look a bit into it, and this was actually something that Tekken 101, a good prominent uh, One Piece YouTuber mentioned, is that your boy Law, he... In an SPS, it was introduced that his sword is actually cursed. But uh, currently, we know that from what you know, Jimosuke, the um, the, the blacksmith mentioned, is that a cursed sword is just a great sign of it's a sign of great quality, and people just not understanding that it's a really good sword because a sword is intended to be you know made for killing. But law sword is not necessarily a high grade; it's actually one of the lower grades. But it's still qualified. It's still you know, Oda still referred to it as a cursed sword. Um, we're not too sure what that means. Maybe it's so. It's maybe it's you know its rank is gonna be elevated because the person who's using it is is law, right? And you know the more law uses it, the more it imbues it with hockey, and and the higher grade it becomes because of law's efforts. Or maybe it's it it's an actual genuinely cursed sword. Maybe it, it has the souls of everyone that it cuts down. Uh, we don't know. That's more questions that we we need answered. One of the things I think about law and law specifically is. It's, he said it 
I think once or twice, but he makes it very apparent. He he doesn't kill unless like is he's in a situation where he has to, right? And as far as I know, so far in the story of One Piece, he hasn't like gone out of his way and killed anyone. I mean, at the end of the day, he is a doctor. He did kill one guy, didn't he? When he was on his revenge trip, um, well, he cut that guy in half. Bruno, Ooh. no, Bruno. the guy over at um, in the ice hot mop place. I forgot his guy. What was that place when when they first when he was working with um Caesar Clown? Oh, okay. Well, okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> I I I should clarify. I don't think he like. But yes, okay, he did that out of like revenge and spite. I think it's a very. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to justify this, but. I think Law as a character isn't someone who goes out of the way to pick fights and kill people, you know what I mean? Law obviously has an overarching goal of Pirate King and whatnot, but I don't know how to justify Law's particular action in that scenario. But I will say that I think Law as a character is probably one of the most docile individuals in One Piece in terms of like motives and whatnot, because he's not He's not necessarily aiming to, like, beat people, right? He's not aiming to kill anyone. Unless, I mean, barring that one exception. I think, because, like, Law, at the end of the day, Law is a doctor, and his Devil Fruit ability is probably one of the most unique in One Piece in terms of what it can do. It can quite literally bring someone back to life. It's, it, it's, a, it's a weird thing with, with how I think Law and his sword work as well. Because I don't think his sword necessarily needs to be high-grade for it to be a cursed sword. Because of the type of individual Law is. Yeah, this is you know, one of those more, more questions. Um, it's named Kikoku. And I just looked it up. It is a cursed sword, but it is not a rank blade. I, ha- I have his sword. Yeah, it's a sick sword. Now, now we know its name. Well, you probably know its name. I, I, I had to look it up. Kikoku. But yeah, yeah, you know, the nature of Law makes it so that he's not, you wouldn't expect him to be a very violent individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a doctor, after all. Um, and yeah. his current ambition is just learning the history, which is also very scholarly. It fits in line with, you know, his, the fact that he's a doctor. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, I, I guess uh, we can wrap it up by, the, you know, before we move the, this chapter, chapter 1033, before we ended up going to Zoro and King, it was Sanji, and um, it was actually from what's it called? From uh, from Queen, who said he's a remnant of an extinct race called the Lunarians, and that's that's you know that's the info drop that we got. Um, you know, learning that they're able to live under any natural environment, and then Sanji responds with, "Why did they die?" And then he's just like, "Go ask a history book." So that's that's funny. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was cute because it's um, it's good transitions, and you know, it's a it's good to wrap it up. Right here, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have nothing to add to that, by the way. I mean, it's fair. I mean, <laughs> we went through a lot. We were expecting this to be a short chapter, but I mean, it's been a couple of 30 chapters of good One Piece content since the last time we spoke. And yeah. I would think it was chapter 1000, which is an arbitrary number. I mean, of course, we're humans and we run on a base, of, base 10 system, so we expect cool things from, you know, bunch of zeros and whatnot but um you know it was a lot of it was a lot that people were expecting for a chapter 1000 and as a chapter it was a good chapter so i don't i don't i don't fault Oda for just 
from you know some people not thinking it was a good chapter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I think that's it. Uh, One Piece is great. I think um, Wano is something that I someone made a comment recently called Joe Boy Theories, which is another YouTube channel that I follow because I like his content. You know, when it comes to One Piece, he put up a thought experiment or you know a suggestion of thinking of Wano in two separate kind of arcs. Which would be pre Onigashima and then you know current Onigashima during the raid, which I feel that kind of putting it in that frame, it makes me because there are some people who want Wano to be done already, and I'm not too sure why there's I mean, there Wano is... is effectively broken into acts. I mean, this we're on Act Two, right? Yeah. We have act after this, so we got a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who just want Wano to be finished, and I'm like, but it's so good. Yeah, it's and I just I I don't see why you would want. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be cleared up before Wano can actually finish. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's just impatient, I guess. Mm-hmm. I just I just let Oda do what Oda wants to do. I think Oda is currently in one of the most. The fact you know, uh, weekly serializing manga is one of the most volatile working conditions you can ever find yourself when you're a writer right because say for example a novel you have the privilege or the opportunity of having alpha readers and then beta readers and then continuing to edit your work until you feel that it's at a respectable or a a point that that you're okay to publish it right to the general public but with manga and especially weekly serialized manga you don't have that privilege you have one draft and then and then you go and this guy, and, and this is a an appreciation of just scale, right? Of this of the situation that manga find themselves in. And I feel that sometimes people forget about that, of, of the, how much pressure Oda is under and how he can continue to output high-level class work. And it's a shame, because I'm like, oh, guys, come on. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I mean, fundamentally, yeah. A hundred percent. It's it's a shame people people don't realize what they have until it's gone, unfortunately. So until they start reading other series and they're like, I don't know if this is as good as One Piece or yeah. I mean, I mean, that's not saying that there's not very good works out there. There's a ton of good manga, and you know, there's always gonna be even hopefully better series even after we 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 are no longer of this planet. That is the goal. That is the dream. Yeah. You know, we'll see. It's been great. Um, not too sure what we're talking about next on the channel, but you know, this is gonna be something that folks can hear who who are interested in One Piece. Um, I have a current goal of watching all of Violet Evergarden, so I guess I can mention that. Maybe we'll talk a bit of the upcoming winter season too. Yeah, winter season is pretty interesting in terms of not having very much. So we can talk about it, uh, and we'll probably make an episode quickly on it. I think the biggest things that we're, pro- I mean, that I'm looking forward to, I'm really only looking forward to like one show in winter, and that is JoJo's. So, yeah, sure, maybe we can. That drops in a couple of days, right? December. Drops in two. Drops in two days. Drops in two days. Part six. Get hyped, everyone. Yeah. That's it for me, Nikhil. Anything else? I got nothing else. All right. I guess you can close it out, Nikhil. All right. Well, as usual, thanks for listening to us, guys. We really appreciate it. Feel free to follow us on Twitter, YouTube, email us with anything. We are on our main platform that we use is Twitter in terms of social media. So please 
please, please reach out to us there. Please subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Google Music. We're on virtually everything. Please share it with your friends who are interested in One Piece. That'd be amazing. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, thoughts, or if you just want to discuss some One Piece or anything like that, like drop a question on Twitter. Just add us and drop a question. We'll respond and we can have a discussion. Uh, we're more than happy to do that. Uh, but until then, yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. Right. Take care, everyone. See you.